Hello and welcome to the Unmissables podcast, hosted by me, Boyd Hilton. I'm joined by two glorious colleagues, Kay Ribeiro. Hello. Who's always here, week after week after week, always. helping me trawl through the week's pop culture, film, entertainment, music, but Mostly pretty much TV. always television. But our other um, partner in crime... Mm-hmm. Steph Sin is away this week, isn't she? Yeah. Steph and Grand Canaria. Grand Canaria. Instead of skyping live into the podcast from Grand Canaria, she's idling her life away by the pool, presumably sunning she's herself. Not, whatever the f she's, she's doing. She's not. We've had reports. She's texted us and said she's actually just lying in a double bed watching Netflix. Oh yeah, that's of course. I mean, of course she is binging. Pretty what she does every day of her life anyway. Yeah. Um, but instead, we have the voice of the man who runs this whole bloody podcast, John. Hello. John the hero. John silent the guru. John, Not so silent John. Yeah, sorry. Johnny. John of the um, other podcast. What's your other podcast called again? Dream Factory. Dream Thanks. Factory. Got a very, very funny. Oh, and it got a really good write-up. Actually, a better write-up than we did. In the, Was it The Guardian? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. It was a sparkling review. With a picture of you and everything. Mm. Yeah. Although, like, in that bleached-out effect, so you can't yeah. quite see who you are, really. Unless you he likes to keep you. an element of mystique about him. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Total mystique. <laughs> this week, the three of us will be in-depth reviewing in the second half meaty bit of the podcast the new epic period drama, The White Princess, mm-hmm. which is on the drama channel of which all Which I things. didn't know was a channel. Well, yeah, they'll love that. It is. Did it's you? Of, I mean, you obviously Of course did. I did. It's part of the UK TV family. So you know channels like Dave... Remember, you're aware of that channel. Yes. Yes. Got that. And Gold. Absolutely. Yeah. They've got one called Drama. It's been going for ages. But this is one of the rare times they're showing a first run exclusive drama because um, which no, no other channel's showing in advance yet. So it's, oh. it's well, quite. Bravo. It's a big moment for them. And it's a sequel to The White Queen, which did go out on the BBC. We'll get into all of that later. We're also doing. Spoiler alert, what I consider to be one of the greatest programmes of all time. Would I lie to you? <laughs> and I'll be interested to see whether you two agree with me. New series of that starts next Monday uh, on the BBC One. Mm-hmm. And finally, and Kay's already making faces as she does uh, when she has issues with one of my choices of programmes to review. We, this is an interesting... It's, is it a film? It's a film. It it's a, a film. Netflix film. And it's going out on Netflix this Friday, the 17th, arriving, dropping, whatever you like to say, but it's also going to be shown in um, Curzon Cinemas, John. Ah. Yeah, to qualify it for all the awards. So they, this is... Pretty safe to say, like we've had Okja, which we reviewed on the show. Oh, that was good. Yeah. Um, the Mayor at Stories, which I mentioned, which we didn't review, but is it, which is there now with Dustin Hoffman and, and all those people. And that, But this, I believe, is their most Oscar-worthy film this year, I would say. And they're really hoping, they're really giving it a push for the Oscars. So mm. let's see what we think When's of it that. land? I'm, I'm Friday, this Friday. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. coining a new phrase. I think it should be plonk. A plonk, a Netflix yeah. plonk. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Okay. Let's Netflix make that are yeah. plonking it on uh, on their service <laughs> this Friday. I'm sure they'll love that. So, if you're binging, is it having a plonk? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is exactly that. <laughs> Multi plonk. Yeah. Oh man, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's going to catch on. Be proud to plonk. Okay. Binge plonk. Yeah. <laughs> plonk binge. <laughs> but before any of that, what we like to do in the first segment of the uh, podcast is to. Listen to, look at what we've been interested in this week in our lives, in our actual proper lives. Mm-hmm. I may well start with you, Kay. Okay. As I like to do in this section. Right. So, as you know, I'm 
usually late to the party with most things. So I have been trawling through Curb, or Curb Crawl, actually. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Be going through it. Um, and John's looking critical already. I'm not sure you can describe it as curb crawling. I think no, so. No, no. There, there was an episode which is all about... Um, have you seen that one that where he picks up the um, prostitute? In the car, the car share. Yes. yes, 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 when he's going to the baseball yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. anyway, so I've been like catching up on it. I'm on series five, and I think I might have watched the greatest episode ever, which is called The Christ Nail, and it's basically where um, Larry decides to buy his um, housekeeper a bra, <laughs> of course, and um, he then survives a vengeful attack from her husband, who's called Jesus, with a special nail. Yeah. I mean, I'm not doing it justice, but yeah. you've seen it, right? Of course. Do you agree it's one of the greatest episodes? Um... Do you know what? Obviously, I hate to disagree with you, but it wouldn't be in my top five. I mean, it might be in my. I'm thinking, yeah, it might be in my top ten, but not right, me in my top 10, five. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Just saying. All yeah. right. Well, but it's on, great. It's, of course, it's a great episode. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Aren't you happy that I'm catching up? I'm thrilled. This is this goes back to I think I've explained this on the podcast before, but we we, we often coin the the West Wing comparison <laughs> where. Um, Kay started watching The West Wing about three years after it finished. But we, uh, we did talk about that because, of course, you, John, don't, don't watch any TV generally yeah, it's a and, and job. snub all the classics. But you feel well, you should watch them eventually. Is that right? Is that fair? Yeah, I'm Is just right? worried about there's all the stuff that you've got to watch now. Yeah. So then I don't know when I'm going to catch up on the old stuff because I'm trying true. to keep up to date with all the good stuff that's happening right now. Oh, yeah. Limit your streaming services and your options. That's what I do. Limit the plonking. Yeah. You Without have none. Saying. Yeah, exactly. Get rid- don't get <laughs> yeah, Netflix. That's a real li- limit. <laughs> Just yeah. right now. Self-limiter. Yeah. Um, so Curb, anything Curb, else? Yes. Okay, right. So I am, you know how I went on and on about Tinstar because I obviously you know, mm. loved it and I broke my rule of the binge rule or the plonk rule now. Um, well... <laughs> I've totally binged on motherhood, motherland rather, and I'm absolutely... <laughs> that, uh, that program will mother in the title. <laughs> no. Motherland, yeah. Which we reviewed, did we last week or the week before? Week before. Week before. And I'm obsessed with it. I've yeah. watched, I went back, watched the pilot. Yeah. I've watched five episodes because they're all on iPlayer at the moment. They're and all on iPlayer. All oh, the whole series is on iPlayer. We should make that clear. Yeah. yeah. BBC's doing that in, uh, in newfangled um, Plonk style. Yeah, and it's yeah. absolutely fantastic. So it's about um, Julia, played by Anna Maxwell-Martin, this really put-upon mother who's just just trying to survive. Um, and it's really, really great. Episode four is fantastic, where she's forced to go to a swimming pool um, party that she just doesn't want to go to. And I have to say, episode five, because they're, it's it's a completely funny series, like one of the funniest series I've seen in a long time. But did you find this, episode five? There's just some emotional depth of characters. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because uh, obviously I did go to the launch of it. Mm, uh, of course you did. In, um, at, and they were all there talking about it. There was a discussion afterwards. And um, Sharon Horgan m- made it clear that they wanted to try and deepen the characters. Like the, not oh. just yeah, yeah, So they yeah, wanted yeah. to kind of show their darker side or there or just explain why they have issues and the issues they have so yeah I think they definitely did that in episode yeah. 5 and there's like this the balance of power between them and the friendship groups it's yeah all, fascinating yeah. Yeah, yeah out of kilter in that episode mm. and it's, it's really really good yeah, so I but urge the Paul episode is, is the great was it episode 3 maybe no it's 4 4 yeah um, where they all, they all, John, they all, you know, they have these pool parties. I didn't even know they happened. So apparently, this is a thing that happens, right? Yeah, Did you know about them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kids have a party in a pool. Yeah. In, a, in a civic centre and all the bloody poor parents have to go in their swimming costumes and look after the kids and you have there's like a road to you have to have like two parents for every kid in the pool it's madness and imagine again I talked to Sharon Hawkins she was like you know the this stress of having to wear a swimming costume in front yeah. of all, you, all these mums you know and oh my god what absolute nightmare and it, myriad and it, problems it brings yeah. home the nightmare of that situation yeah it's okay. fantastic honestly Pogs people on the ground listening you have to watch this please like and tweet us and let us know what you think think 
Um, and then the final thing I just want to talk to you about is we touched upon it last week, Poirot. Oh, right. Okay. Is it is it the return of the creased waistcoat? <laughs> that could be one of his new adventures. I might suggest that as a novel. Yeah, yeah. should be Poirot and the Curse of the Creased Waistcoat, played by David Suchet. Um, so last last week we were talking about it, and I was as a Poirot purist, a Poirist was a bit agitated about Kenneth Branagh's de- um, depiction of Poirot. And Wait. I've had groundswell of support. A groundswell? Yes, from a the pogs. Namely, at Torres J47, said he's Team Suchet. One. And another pog called Claire got in touch to say she, she agreed. She's two, only seen a few snippets. Of, yeah, two people. Is that groundswell? That's a swell. John, is that a groundswell? Yeah, I'd, 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 yeah, two's, two's a party. Two's, two's a party. <laughs> it's a party. It's a Poirot party. You've got, you can form your Poirot party if you want. Exactly. Your anti, so your furious anti-crease waistcoat. I've got the moral high ground now. Yeah. And um, just to say, anyone out there who hasn't seen the film, but you are into Poirot like me, I've just found out that on um, BBC Radio 4 Extra, they have got an adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express with um, John Moffat, do you know him? John the Moffat. Yeah, John, not the Moffat. <laughs> John Moffat. <laughs> John, John the Moffat. I didn't say John the Moffat. I said John Moffat, questioningly. Yeah, well, he's the um, actor playing. So, wait a minute. You're no. completely... Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. doesn't make sense. Well, it does, because You're I didn't say... You're contradicting yourself. No, because I'm saying anyone interested in Agatha Christie and Poirot, oh, I didn't say I've endorsed it, because I haven't listened to it. <laughs> I was letting the pogs know that it exists. Your oh, fury, furious rage at Ken Branagh and his and his Yeah, because I can't waistcoat. see the waistcoat. Yeah, listen to this out-hoop person yeah, no one has ever heard of. With your ears. Doing murder on the Orient Express, which you could go to see in the cinema and watch two hours of it in the cinema. Anyway, it's always been a big hit, so I think, you know... I yeah, think. well, all five... Um, I think it's five episodes, 30 minutes each, on um, BBC iPlayer. Radio 4 Extra if you want to listen to it and you don't want to see Kenneth Branagh's waistcoat. <laughs> the horrific <laughs> sight, John, of his waistcoat. Is, is that And his dodgy an, tash. Anything else you want to... What, the list of stuff are wrong throw with? Throw in... Paris? No, no, no. Throw into oh. the... Um, no, I'm done. I've got some shout-outs to do, but I'm going to wait till... Okay, to the shout-out section. Yeah. I, yeah. I was listening to an interview of Kenneth Branagh mm. and they were talking about... He was talking about how in the book... <laughs> It's his, he's described as having a famously over-the-top moustache. Yes. yes, I heard that. So does Suchet not... No. Su- Suchet wouldn't no. cut the mustard. Suchet it wouldn't be famous enough. Exactly. No, f- oh, John, you've made a very good point. Branagh's moustache more accurate to the books than Suchet's. Yes or no, okay. So yes or no, Watson. Perhaps. However, in every other way... He's he does he's not faithful to the uh, original. Anyway, let's not get into Sorry, this again. It, also, yeah. in that very same interview, which I also heard, didn't they address the point briefly of his fastidiousness? And, yeah. and Branagh did say how they're all very pleased with themselves for having made the whole thing so fastidious. Well, it's so funny. Kenny needs to get in touch with me. I think maybe there was a crease in the in the screen <laughs> when we saw it at the Albert Hall. Imagine that. It maybe there was a crease that. in the screen. Don't, but well, don't you know, often get a crease in the screen. The screen could have been like. I mean, the Albert Hall doesn't listen. often show films, so they probably wheeled out the old screen and someone's put a crease. In it, and you think it's a crease? In it. I'm going to launch an investigation. You're, you're, you're my point. You know, it's not just the waistcoat; it's everything else. <laughs> well, I mean, that was the, only the eating, the talking, the walking. Anyway, <laughs> the eating. oh yeah, the sharing of the cake. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, John, what have John, you been what have you been enjoying in the world of a popular culture this week? Well, seeing as I knew I would be on here um, talking about pop culture of yeah. the last few d- last few weeks um i thought i would check out the uh, the big uh, sky atlantic show babylon berlin have you guys heard about this yeah yeah, yeah. german yeah. language it costs 38 million euros this series it's r- it's like one of the biggest budget Expensive. things that they've done um for it's for it's for sky it's for the sky channel in germany i believe yeah. but obviously they they've put it on sky atlantic here 
so I watched the first episode. It's about, it's kind of about the, um, I think it's the 1920s in Germany. So it's before the rise of Hitler and everything. And it is a, uh, you follow an inspector who's called, I'm, I'm going to get this wrong. Say it with your German accent, John. Gerion Raff. Gerion Raff. And he's from Cologne and he moves to Berlin. And so it's, a, it's kind of, the interesting thing is as a foreigner to the country of production, there's a couple things that uh, you that are lost on you. So this idea of a fish out of water, a guy from Cologne in Berlin doesn't really sit with, you know, someone in England yeah. per se. And also there are a few scenes, I believe in hindsight that were in Russian, but oh. obviously I don't know. I'm just watching <laughs> subtitles. You can't tell the difference in Russian and German. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Which is Surely the bad? Russians, the Russians, they talk like that. Or what, uh, <laughs> no, the, the Germans. No, this is, the, this is Prince Albert. This is Prince Albert. <laughs> <laughs> the Germans that talk like that. And then the Russians are all like that, aren't they? Isn't I mean, that, that's no? really similar, boy, though. Maybe they've got actual Russians and actual Germans in this. This is the, the thing. And that I'm basing my knowledge on yeah. fake, <laughs> terrible acting of Russians. <laughs> or did Germans. you have it on mute and we're just reading subtitles? <laughs> Boyd's only ever watched uh, TV shows where people do accents. Yeah. You've never seen yeah, exactly. one in the no, actual no, language. No, never. Isn't this also about porn, this series? There's a lot, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's a fair bit of nudity and um, it I is like about pornography. I like how John skirted around that in the original. Oh, well, you know. But I just wanted yeah. to address that because I, I looked at the description of it. We did preview it in, in the magazine, but I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. And it looked like a kind of German period version of The Juice, you know, the current mm. porno based, which we reviewed a few ages ago. Yeah. Showing on Sky Atlantic with James Maggie Franco. Oh, is there a detective element in that? No. Oh, okay. Well, there are cops in it. There are loads okay. of cops in it, actually. So, yeah, I take that back. There is a detective element in it, kind of, a bit. Deutsch Juice. Deutsch Juice. Deutsch Juice. But yes, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very intrigued to see how the series uh, mm. continues. Is, it, is yeah. it very adult? Oh yeah, absolutely yeah, no, no. Would yeah. you watch no it with your mum? Absolutely not. Cool, that's the benchmark. And then you, and then you'd accidentally find yourself watching with your mum, and then your mum tries to be a cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's just human <laughs> no. bodies. Don't worry about it, and you, you want to die. You know that feeling. God yeah. Um, I've also been listening to uh, a podcast oh. uh, as the podcast man. Oh, go on. No, I love it when you give us recommendations because last time you told us Dirty John and it was a fantastic mm. recommendation. Uh, so this show is called Heavyweight and it's produced by an American podcasting company called Gimlet that was set up by um, a man who used to work for uh, This American Life, uh, NPR. So good credentials. Mm. Uh, and this show is hosted by a man called Jonathan Goldstein who's a reporter and writer in um, America and the kind of the premise of it I, is about people trying to go back and rewrite a wrong that's happened in their life at some point. So um, I'm trying to think of one example. Fun uh, wrongs or serious ones? It's a mixture. But it's, it's so like when someone says that um, a portrait of Poirot is a disaster because yeah. of a creased oh waistcoat, and they want to realise it was a crease in the screen. They want to go back and write that wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. Deep breathing meditation. So the first episode is actually specifically about his dad and his uncle who haven't spoken in a very long time and it's about him trying to get them back Why? together Why to talk to each spoken? other. Just grumpiness. Just, oh, is that just, it? But it's really funny because it's just be two like grumpy old men secret. who are just like, oh, he doesn't want to see me and then he has to pretend that they want to see each other just so that they... It's very funny. Oh, that sounds good. Um, I, mm. what I, the thing I think of is it's in its tone, it's like on a level with kind of John Ronson or Louis Theroux but it's much, he meddles a lot more. It's a, it's a lot more about him getting involved in trying to make mm. things happen. Uh, yeah, and I think it's, it's for, my, for my money, it's probably one of the best podcasts being Ooh, made really? at this moment in What's time. What's it called again? Heavyweight. And um, it's had a, it had a series last year and they've just started the second series. So um, by this time this goes out, I believe there will be three or two or three episodes up of the second season. 
um, but you should listen to it all, particularly the very sec- the second ever episode of the podcast that I cannot I cannot like tell you too much about because I think if you go in blind, it's brilliant because just some of the revelations are amazing. So episode two, it's called Gregor. Well, Monto it. The Poro episode. <laughs> yeah. We could do an investigation into our multi- boy denied multiple falling. <laughs> Funnily, you should have you finished. By the way, have you have you is that have you finished your uh, summary of things? Yes. You've been, because uh, I've got John Ronson podcast oh. to mention, which is the butterfly effect, which um, came out ages ago on Audible as a, as like an audio book this summer but it's just arrived this week or last week on actual podcast on iTunes as a free podcast mm. all of it and it's John Ronson as as you said the uh, one of the foremost um investigators of of uh, what's going on in our time mm. um looking at the um the porn industry. This is why I mentioned the porn industry. I wasn't just. I'm not obsessed with porn, honestly. Oh, so much porn this podcast. It is, it it's a porn cast. There's a porn theme, yeah. Um, but it's all about how um, one man, one young man, one German tech guy called Fabian, changed the world of pornography globally and made tens of millions and millions and millions of dollars at the same time. He invented the um, kind of porn version of YouTube called Pornhub, where you know, so you know, YouTube, everyone. Downloads legally or illegally. There's like, you know, until recently, there was it was it started. There was loads of copyrighted clips of stuff and actual full-length films mm. and programs. People would just illegally steal stuff, and YouTube was full of it. And YouTube spends most of their time, as I can make out, kind of weeding that stuff out, and making sure that what's there is. God, is what fine. boring job that must be. Yeah. So the porn version it was the same. Basically, all these people he created this thing. Um, whereby, well, there already existed in a smaller scale where you'd go and you'd you'd take porn DVDs and you'd rip them to the site, basically, and you and you download them to the site, and it was all free. So suddenly, you didn't have to go to your local in America. Porn is a massive industry. Your local porn DVD shop and spend you know twenty dollars on on the latest porn because it'll be, be a week later it'd end up being on on this website. So what this German guy did is he bought up. We got a massive loan. He bought up all of the sites that did this pretty much around in America. Opened an office in Montreal, got some staff to make sure that um, you know they'd sort out any legalities, and then he ended up buying the production companies, most of them that made the porn that was then being stolen, <sighs> to put on the website. So the, he's and a now, porn baron. Yeah, he's a porn baron, but he never has anything to do with the actual making of the porn. Really, he has other people. I mean, he owns some of the companies that do. So now, pretty much eighty, ninety percent of the world's porn viewing is controlled and owned by him, by this guy, and his various myriad companies. But it's not just about that. The series is also about what's why it's called the butterfly effect. Mm. The idea of the butterfly flapping its wings and all the, this tiny little motion having massive ripples and effects going outward. It's all about what effect this has had on the people in the porn industry, porn stars, um, in the specialisation of pornography, and then beyond porn into all kinds of other areas as well, wider areas of society. And it's absolutely fascinating. How it's many incredible. episodes is this? I think it's five, five or six. Yeah. There's a lot of porn. Have you, have you listened to it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I can see John sitting there going, oh, I, I listened to this Yeah, years when, ago. It, when it, when when it, it came was on out on Audible, Audible, I had yeah. a, I listened to it all. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, and the, the interesting thing I think about it is there have been, obviously, Louis Theroux's done a couple of documentaries about the porn industry, and... Um, I think the thing that's really interesting about this one is obviously you've got this this figure over the top of it who actually he's 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 approved it and he's he's encouraged mm. people to listen to it this 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 baron but it it's not just about shady characters and bad no. things it's, it gives you uh, there there are some horrible things that happen in it that he reports on but there are also some slightly more I don't know human because yeah. yeah. it really humanizes certain elements yeah, of the does, industry yeah. it's really interesting yeah 
and he goes back at the end and he kind of puts these points because he is you know John's a, a moral a very moral figure I think a lot of you know a lot of his, his stuff all, all the way through his career has been driven by you know what's the moral implications of, of these things and he and he goes back and says you know you do realize this is happening these people are ruining their lives mm. um, porn stars now are unemployable between the ages of 20 and 30 what so young Surely they're teenage in their prime. teenage girls this is talking women here Teenage girls obviously get lots of, you know, oh 18 God. to 20, 18 is the legal date, get loads of, uh, get loads of work. So but then as soon as grim. they're 20, they're considered too old. But then from 30 onwards, they can be in MILF videos. <gasps> Unbelievable. And How fabulous. So, I, could be, yeah. I could be in the porn industry right now. <laughs> totally. What am I okay. doing on this ruddy podcast? Well, you know, if we know where, if you Wasting disappear next week, <laughs> yeah. we know where you are. I'm You'll making, be in the, in, the, in the valley in, in, big in California. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the butterfly effect, John Watson. I quickly want to mention another podcast called Origins. Have you heard of Origins, John? No. Andrew Miller is the guy who did it, who's a, a writer, expert on TV comedy. He's written stuff about Saturday Night Live. I do know this, actually. Sorry. And the, it's the first thing. So it's all about Kirby Enthusiasm. <gasps> So oh this God. is it. So Tell it will me. origins will be each series. We'll look at a different thing and look at the origins of it, how it started, interview all the people involved, Jeff. and weft, everyone, everyone involved in Curb is interviewed, and their interviews are woven in to the to the kind of five six part story of it, starting at the beginning, Larry David's kind of pre Curb career, and then all the way through to the current series. Why there was a massive gap, six year gap between the last <sighs> season and this series, and interviews everyone involved. How much Jeff is Larry Green, involved? Susie, Larry. Totally, all the way through. And then what's brilliant about it is, I mean, that, he's brilliant at um, asking the right questions. So everything you want to know is, is, is addressed. And then he also makes all the individual interviews he's done available separately as a little kind of half-hour podcast. That's so you smart. can just, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. So it's a fantastic. I think Curb fans have to listen to Origins. Listen, I'm going to schedule that in for 10 years' time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, be perfect for you, Tanya. There's probably, probably do a West Wing one next, maybe, especially for you. <laughs> there is a West Wing podcast. There is, actually. There is, of course, there's yeah. a West Wing, yeah, of course. Which is really good. Yeah, yeah. And finally, I'm just going to quickly mention the new Morrissey album. Oh, of course you are. Fan, John? Uh, neutral. Um, it's his, because we rarely do music, and I actually, I've made the next issue of Heat magazine that's out on uh, today, Tuesday, the 14th mm. of November. When this, of course, we should mention the Unmissables Awards podcast out today as well, the special that we've done. So not only in this issue do we get the Unmissable Awards, which, you know, I, I went out and met various people and gave them awards, and Kay thinks it's really funny. There's so many photos of me in the new issue of Heat giving I awards mean, to people. it's as it should be. He's yeah. on every page. I've also gratuitously reviewed the new Morrissey album. Morrissey is my music, one of my musical heroes. And I've re-reviewed the new Arsenal-based film, oh 89. <laughs> How? Yeah. I didn't see these pages. No, well... I He's mean, done it when I've been away from my desk. Yeah. That's what's happened. It's the most gratuitous, some of the most gratuitous <laughs> reviewing of stuff ever in history of Heat magazine. Anyway, the new Morrissey album, which is the eleventh. It's not got the word Heat on the cover this week. It's Boyd. Boyd's Heat special. It's his eleventh solo album, Kay, um, and it is. I'm saying it's his best, possibly since Foxhall and I in the nineties. Okay. And it's um, it's got some absolute classics on it. And my favourites are, it's called Low in High School. The cover is very controversial. It's got this like, oh, kid Oh, God, yeah, I know about Buckingham Low in Palace. High School. Yeah, kind Steph of like, and I were umming and ahhing yeah. about the title. I think it's a bit rubbish. Well, yeah, I think it's good. The best songs are Jack is Only Happy When She's Up on the Stage, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, um, the Girl from Tel Aviv, which is very interesting. And um, All Them Young People Must Fall In Love, which almost sounds like the Beatles. Yeah, very okay. Beatlesy. y um, Or Give Peace a Chance, the John Lennon song. And if you're a Morrissey fan... You'll love it if if Kay giving look if you're a person who when you mention Morrissey gives you expression bordering on <sighs> disgust that Kay's giving me right now. Oh my god, this is just my. Which she hasn't had I... since. What's the love thing you really hated recently? 
Um, um, Kenneth Branagh's Poirot? Oh, no, yeah, Kenneth Branagh's Poirot, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much the same expression you have on your face when you see the crease in his trousers. I would say, listeners, I don't I don't always pull these faces. Boyd's just... He's like he's unaccustomed own, to my own face. The, own the face playing. Hmm. It's fine. I'm not... Okay. It's, fine. it's just a... You right. have a very expressive... It's an expressive face. Okay, fine. We know you can't hide, can she, John? She can't hide her Oh, no, no. Opinions. Oh, actually, that is true. Yeah, yeah. There, it's there. Okay, fine. You know, the poker face. I mean, you don't play poker, do you? No. 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 I mean, so you wouldn't laugh. If I lie, you can you see my would, face. Yeah, you wouldn't laugh I smile minute. all the time. Just yeah. basically ridiculous. Anyway, it's out on Friday, the Morrissey album, by the way, Low in High School, on... All formats. <laughs> I sound like I'm promoting it. I don't know why I said that. Because you are. <laughs> I am oh, please, God. Oh, obviously, I'm aware that he's politically dubious these days. I mean, yeah. you know, forget the whole UKIP thing. I know, I know I'm, I don't know I'm coming to terms with all that business, but who knows? <laughs> Music's still good. That's the main thing. Listen, before I give the shout out, why don't you say what this whole Unmissables um, Awards podcast is? Well, this whole Unmissables podcast is a special podcast in which we reveal the winners of the Unmissables, the very prestigious Unmissables Awards, mm-hmm. which is the first time we've held Bigger them. than BAFTAs. Bigger than the Oscars, where we've awarded every major category in popular culture um, and given the award, and in, in a lot of cases, went out with the actual award uh, and presented it to them. And you can hear the acceptance speeches yeah. and um, us discussing the winners in the special podcast. Also, I sustained an injury during the recording of that podcast because I was doing drumming with my fingers like this. Oh, yeah. And then For the drum yeah, do it again. Yeah, do it again. No, don't, no, no. <laughs> Keep doing it. <laughs> Keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> then I had to go to the finger hospital. Yeah. Also, a final point: if you haven't had your Steph fix for the day, she's on that one. So. Yes, she oh, is. Yeah, that is point. very true. If you really need your Steph your fans, we call them Steph fix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, okay. I want to give, oh, a, shout want to give out. a shout out. Yeah. Yes, please to please the super God. So these um, these are our loyal listeners who've taken who've been asked to either review us on iTunes, <laughs> which we love, or get in touch on Twitter. So um, Claire Phillips at Claire Glitter, she was very nice to us on iTunes in her review, and she said our podcast was a highlight of her week, and that she was saving it for a two-hour journey to work. How nice! I mean, I would say that that seems to encourage us to make a two-hour podcast, which, you know, I'm very against. Listen to it twice. It's about an hour. You'll oh, yeah, that's true. But we're not going longer <laughs> than an hour. It's twice one of the other, yeah. <laughs> well, you can have this, this and the um, and the Unmissable Awards podcast. Oh, yeah, that would today, be. Which is yeah. about, what, half an hour maybe? Yeah. 35 foot, yeah. Hour and a half covered off. Um, also, Open Season, at Neil Lark, fantastic surname, said um, he must have been listening to an old podcast, Unmissable's podcast, because he said that, he couldn't believe you gave Boyd gave cheap, cheap, cheap four stars, <laughs> and he said Boyd had had a shocker of a day. <laughs> right? So Neil, Neil Neil Lark is a regular, and he listens to my Arsenal one as well. So yeah, yeah he, he's yeah. I mean, I think he just wants to find something to to pick me up about. That's fine. I defended you and I said I also like cheap, well, cheap, cheap. Well, yeah, obviously that that's never going to be on TV ever again. Oh, what do you think? That's unlikely. I think. Yeah. That's because they're bringing back supermarket sweet, the <laughs> well, best supermarket based game. Anyway, on to the meat. Oh, was that it? Yeah. I thought we had some more shout-outs. No, no, those are the two. They were good, good shout-outs. Yeah. Um, thank you very much. On to the meat, indeed. The White Princess, okay, mm. on the Drama Channel. Next Saturday uh, at 9 o'clock. In fact, it opens with a double bill of episodes. And this is... Um, it's adapted from the novel of the same name by Philippa Gregory. It's a sequel to The White Queen, which went out a few years ago. Go on. Yeah, no, that was really watched, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a Sunday night drama on BBC One, and interestingly, John. So this is it was that was co-produced by BBC and Stars Channel in America, and the Stars Channel is a premium cable channel like HBO and Showtime and AMC. You know those the channels that show Game of Thrones and uh, Breaking Bad and those things. So it's very much into sex and violence. Stars right? with a Z. Stars with a Z. Stars with a Z, as mm-hmm. they say in the states. And, int- and and I do believe that when this the White Queen 
the original of this, the first of the series of this, which, to which this is the sequel, was made, their episodes, their verse, the ones that went out on Stars in America were raunchier, had more nudity, sex and violence than the BBC One versions that went out on Sunday night in the cosy period drama slot on BBC One. Boring. How interesting yeah. is that? <laughs> what, boring the BBC, the BBC version or the yeah. story? The ins- you the lot be watching and listening to too much porn stuff. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so this is the so BBC declined to get involved in this sequel, this ten part. It's new a sequel. no from us, said the BBC. Right, said the BBC. So this is pure stars, and the Drama Channel has acquired it from them and are showing it exclusively on Saturday nights. And basically, it's all about the post-war of the Roses period, where um, there was a, the, the former King Richard III was defeated at the Battle of Bosworth, and the victor Henry Tudor became Henry the Seventh. He's played by Jacob Collins Levy, handsome young man, mm-hmm. and he gets married to Elizabeth Jodie Comer, who's, shall we say, reluctant at the very least to get involved with him. Very reluctant. She's the princess from the rival house, and she was Richard III's lover. So controversially, mm-hmm. she's not a virgin, Kay. She's, he, not, she's but, not the virgin queen. Yeah, they get involved. And there's also her sister, Cecily of York, played by Suki Waterhouse. And she's kind of seems more into him than she is and kind of like is flirts with him, to say the least, isn't she, mm-hmm. in this opening episode. Um, and there's also the mother of Henry VII, the kind of parents who are really pompous. There's hidden children who are, there's the boy who's kind of is the rightful York king, really, and he's in danger of his life. And it's a whole cornucopia of historical regal drama treats, isn't it? Yes. Or is and it? What did and- you think, eh? Hey? It's very raunchy, I think, still. I think it's a bit raunchy, there's a bit of sex happening. Well, yeah, this is, this is because this is BBC World. Yeah, this I know. is pure stars, yeah. I'm just confirming, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, disclaimer, I was a little bit tipsy when I watched this. <laughs> Drunk viewing. Could be yeah. a new, new yeah, feature. bit of the slot, a new feature. Yeah. Yeah, like so I'd been to the hairdressers, had a glass of glass of water. What about the hairdressers? Yeah. Hairdressers? Yeah. This is a thing. This is what happens. This is a thing that happens, yeah. Are you glugging, back the, glugging back the whiskey? I usually decline, but I was like, oh, go on then, I'll have a red. And um, a red and a half what for me of is like is off it? my nut. It was in the evening. Uh, I wasn't like even, morning drinking. Okay, right. Because that would be, you know. Oh, hey, I'm not judging anyone, but I still I choose not to do that. Um, anyway, so I went home and watched this, and I don't know if that's why, or just because it was just because it's good. I really enjoyed this. I thought it was. Much pacier than Gunpowder, which is what I was comparing it to, which we um, reviewed last episode or episode before. So at a better pace, faster. I mean, it was a scene setter, but just got on with it quicker. And I, th- I think I enjoyed it more because it focuses on the romantic lives, obviously, of, um, of Jodie Comer's character and the king. And so it felt a bit soapy, mm. right? So it's all very, like, drama-filled. You know, she was a bit reluctant. There was a bit of a... Th- there's a sex scene where, you know... I mean... I think the term angry sex could be used. Um, Definitely from her point of view, yeah. 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 And um, She's not into it at all. No, because also, I mean, he finishes his... Finishes early, shall we say? <laughs> and uh, his... <laughs> Quickly, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And, and his excuse is, I was thinking of your sister. Yeah, well... I mean, how, how out of order is that? Yeah. Well, I think the, the phrase, the sister is hot, does come to mind. <laughs> and I don't want to... I don't want to be uh, basic about it, but yeah. yeah Suki have. Waterhouse as Cecily of York... But Jodie Comer, like... Oh, yeah, they're both. Yeah. Oh, yeah both, both she has really bad luck, doesn't she? Um, she plays the feisty princess Elizabeth, but she has really bad luck in <laughs> fictional husbands because she obviously played Kate in Dr. Foster, who was married to Simon, oh, yeah. the bastard. Of course, yeah. So she does have bad luck. She's very good at being furious. Yeah. Furious. She's furious a lot of the time, isn't she, John, in this? She is livid. Livid. <laughs> livid Lizzie, as I called oh, her. Oh, <laughs> very good. Now, you're a huge fan of period regal genres, oh. aren't you? Known for it. He ruddy hates it. It's my specialist subject, yeah. if, if I was on a so did you, mind. Did you find the whole thing a, a, a torturous um, test of your... No? No, I didn't. 
Good. Uh, I Why, think, pray tell? Well, I think uh, Kay was hinting at it, but it is it is completely devoid of any subtlety. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's like I was thinking. Um, we'll we'll go into something in a bit that's um, much more kind of subtle in its portrayal of characters. And I was thinking, this is black and white. This is good and evil. There's no. The, the bad characters in this have absolutely no redeeming qualities. Mm. Yeah. Henry's just full-on terrible. Yeah, bad man. But I quite like a bit of black and white, especially after a glass and a half of wine. Clearly, yeah. It's been described as, I think, um, like Game of Thrones, like feminist Game of Thrones, but, you know, based on real, mm. real life. Obviously, it's a Game romp. Of Thrones. It is a romp, yeah. That's a good word for it, yeah. It, and there's romping, so... So it is unashamed, isn't it? It's like it's kind of like a. I mean, it's based. This, all of this, roughly, I think, happened. <laughs> you know, I guess we don't know the I extent mean, to which. At, you know. yeah. at yeah. the end, there's a little asterisk, isn't there, that says like, "Oh, some Maybe. of the historical effects <laughs> yeah. may have been changed for entertainment." Yeah, which is fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I think I agree. Yeah, it's definitely like it was definitely entertaining and fast moving. And I thought actually, because in, in the very first scene, there's like flashbacks to um, Elizabeth's previous sexual. Activities. The very first, literally the first 10 seconds is like nudity, isn't it? There's like sex flashbacks. It sets its stall. Yeah, it sets its stall, exactly. And then there's some people murdered as well. So but basically, within the, if you'll know what you're getting in the first two minutes of this series. There's brutal murdering, um, sexy time, and then it's quite soapy action from the rest of it. And that's the whole tone of it. And I think it is... From that point of view, I think it works. It knows what it's doing. It's, it, it works, doesn't it, really? And there's no, there's not the violence of gunpowder. Not that level of violence quite no. no one's being hung drawn and corseted no although it's possible it could happen in the rest of the series we haven't well, seen all 10 episodes unless you did watch all 10 episodes no John, did you no know? just just the one for me yeah yeah and um, there's a wonderfully awkward scene uh, about halfway through where henry asks yes. them to dance the dance oh scene. that was, was great oh god yeah. so awkward yeah performing monkeys yeah. dance for me girls yeah just for his pure that's his future queen he asks to dance yeah, just for his pure entertainment and approval yeah as Steph would say he's a nasty bastard he is and I didn't realise there was someone else with a, like a mandolin so at first yeah. I thought he was just a lute. make him <laughs> silently dance for, for 20 seconds it is brilliant um, I would just one uh, thing as well um, I thought the show was stolen by the warring mothers. I thought they're yes. great. Mm. The two mother characters are really matriarchs. brilliant. Yes, Essie Davis plays Dowager Queen Elizabeth Woodville. Is she uh, the baddie one? She's the pretty baddie one, yeah. She is Henry's mother. Is yeah. that right? Yes, and Lady Margaret Beaufort, played by Michelle Fairley, is, yeah, is the other mother, yeah. And it's a, bit, it's a bit like Downton Abbey, isn't it, from that point of view? You can see Dame Maggie Smith, you know, kind of getting involved. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, excellent. Well, I think, so I think we all enjoyed it then. Yeah. I'm saying it's a, a veritable hit for Drama Channel. It's a four for me. And I'm so happy to know about this channel now. I'm going to tune in more. Yeah. I mean, they show loads of old um, whodunits and stuff, I believe. <gasps> yeah. Including the P. Can't I don't want to bring up the P word again, but is it on there? Poirot. I don't know. No, Poirot was always on ITV3, oh, isn't two. it? It's like a staple. No, two is. Oh, yeah, two is. Three. <laughs> two, two is Tau, isn't it? <laughs> no, Tau is ITVB. Oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to write a guide to the ITV. Do a spider diagram or something. How are you going to keep up with these? Two is Keith Lemon. Two is Keith Lemon. Right. Three, uh, B is Towie. Yeah. And your mate, your oh, new Tamara, mate. Tamara. Tamara thing, Eccleston. She's her new series on that. Three, I believe, or maybe even four. <laughs> I don't know if there is a four still. I don't know. What's well, I think three. I'm saying three encore. is Midsummer encore. Murders and Poirot. And then there's Encore, yeah. yeah. Encore is other stuff. Like I think that's what more broad church. I think we should start calling it Encore, which is what I called it. Ankle. Yeah, ankle. Oh, ankle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your ankle. Um, uh, so, how many stars, John, are you giving the White Princess? I'll go with a four, please. 
It's a four yeah. for me as well. Solid We're in agreement. Three full four-star reviews. Let's move on. In sharp contrast to the 11th series of BBC One's long-running, this is 11th series, <laughs> celebrity comedy panel show, Would I Lie to You? Now, you may think this is a bit of a weird one. Why, is, why, have we, why are we doing a comedy panel show? We usually do, you know, in-depth dramas and like the one we've just reviewed and excellent new sitcoms and stuff like that. It's rare that we've done a comedy panel show, isn't it? Maybe we did a league of their own. I mean, I don't want to bring up the T word, which I was going to mention um, in my review of this. Terminator. Yes. How did you guess? No, Taskmaster. Oh, Taskmaster. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we did do Taskmaster. Yeah. Did we do Le- Le- Les... Thing is um, terrible. Rhyming. Len Goodman. Len Goodman. Rhyme time. Yes. Les Goodman, as I call it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is coming back soon. Yeah. Joy is it? They recommissioned. No, I think they, they stopped showing it halfway through. Oh my god, that's terrible. <laughs> and now it, they kind of, they just yeah. pulled the plug. Well, yeah, basically. After Boyd's scathing review, they just thought. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. Anyway, would I lie to you? I'm no. putting. No, I wouldn't. Never. I'm putting my cards on the table. It is one of my favourite things on all of television. What do you think about that, John? I think in a previous episode you said that Did people I? ask mm. you um, what do you what does a man who has to watch things for yes. a living yes. watch when he doesn't want to that's right when he wants to relax and you said this show so yeah. we had that insight already I think John <laughs> deserves an award for listening to the podcast <laughs> and for using the word insight yeah. as well um, yeah so basically I mean what, is anyone I mean do we need to explain Kay you can explain yeah, what is not the pre- knows. no exactly. some, there might be some people out there they've never watched an episode yeah. So basically, Rob Ryden um, hosts, and there's two um, different teams, one led by Lee Mack and one by David Mitchell. And they have like two comedians per team and then one celebrity. In this case, it was Ed Balls and Kimberly Wyatt off the Pussycat Dolls. And um, they have to tell kind of stories about themselves. And David Baddiel and Joe Brand. I hate to interrupt, but let's okay, give fine. the full guest line up. I mean, I said two comedians saying, per team. Yeah. Um, and they tell stories about themselves and some of them will be completely fact-based and some of them will be lies, big fat lies. And um, the other team has to guess which is which. True. And regardless, it's the first time they've seen the, the fact when, yeah. they, when they pull it out. So yes. they don't have time to really come up with a backstory or anything. No, exactly. Yeah, so there's three rounds. The only round is where they, but they, they haven't seen the story at all and they have to, it might be true. And if it's not true, they have to make up on the spot. Yeah. Um, and then the middle round, which is my favourite, is where a person arrives, the mystery guest arrives. Oh, I arrives, do love that, yeah. yeah. Who is, um, has, is related somehow in a story to one of the three panellists on one team. And they all have to, the two, two of them are making up a story about how they know him or her, and one of them really does know him or her, and, that, and that's, that's brilliant. And then the final round is the quick fire round where, again, they just quickly go through an array of, uh, an array of possibilities of whether they're telling the truth or they're lying. And of course, the great thing for me, the great thing about it is you've got, you've got Rob Brydon hosting it. Oh, now, Angus Dean hosted it in the first two series. Remember that, John? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and Angus is fine. Angus is great, you know. But mm. Rob Brydon does it brilliantly. He's, he's so likable. He's oh, excellent, clever, and uh, he's in a league of his own. You've got Lee Mack and um, David Mitchell as the kind of class. You've got Lee Mack, you know, doing this kind of like I'm a normal northern bloke mm. routine, and David Mitchell doing I'm a posh kind of nerdy geeky dude so you've got that kind of class conflict going on with them which has been running throughout all 11 series pretty much and then you've got the guests turning in and the whole concept of it I think is is an endless joy but am I overplaying it John do you think I'm, I'm deluded and uh, insane for liking Ridiculous. this programme so much no is the short answer thanks um, so next next show <laughs> uh, no um, yeah I, I really like it I think it's brilliant I think it's uh, 
it's the ultimate kind of dip in TV. It's the ultimate kind of oh, that's on. I'll definitely watch that. Um, on a, I think it's Friday evenings, isn't it? Yeah, well, they're moving to Monday evenings in oh. the series. It's, it's always been Friday evening. Good point. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, yeah. They've moved it to Monday I at I think it's better suited to Friday, I know, it? I don't know why they're doing that. When you that. come in mm. and you're just like, oh. Yeah, I know, it's controversial. Um, the format has, has changed absolutely zero in those 11 seasons, I believe. I think in the first... Well, I hate to contradict you. No, no, please you know, do. But they used to have some more... Um, a few more... Uh, one, they used to have a round where they would show like a VT of something... And they'd say, and and it wouldn't be particularly um, connected to anyone in the studio, and you'd have to guess whether it was true or false. So they did have that round. Oh, yeah. It's got a whiff two. of Len Goodman about that. <laughs> yeah, thank, but they got rid of that because it didn't really work. Yeah, but you're right. For about, I would say, nine series, it's been the same. And I think it's definitely a case of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think you, you, the point you made about the interplay between the three, so you've got kind of the warmth of Rob Brydon, and then you've got the just the clash of I think for me personally and I'd imagine everyone who watches it enjoys a different element um, more but I, the thing that I just find so funny is David Mitchell being mean to Lee Mack when <laughs> yeah. he's talking out of his backside yeah. I just really that for me that's so the good. funniest yeah yeah um, my one slight issue Boyd oh is, is, oh it's a really it's a really pernickety format issue do is it the third the third round yeah. is the first round Yes. They call it quickfire lies, yeah. but then they take forever to, to, John, to talk. John, let me say now, you are absolutely correct. In fact, one of the great things about the completely untrue title of the final round, quickfire lies, is that often it's just one, and it goes on for ages. Yeah. I remember one time, Lee Mack had to do um, that thing about where he visited all of the pubs in England that began with a certain letter or something, and it had a whole map of it, and it went on and on and on for about 10 minutes. And it's, it's hilarious. It's one of the funniest things that's ever happened on the show. But the idea that's a quick fire round is it's ludicrous. It's preposterous. You're right. It's basically they repeat the first round all over again. Kay, what's your feeling about Would I Lie to You? We'll see. I really liked it. I liked it because, and I'm comparing this to Taskmaster, which is probably unfair, but... I think it's fair. They're both comedy You know, in Taskmaster, shows. they had the ridiculous kind of slapstick physical element to this. I like that that isn't the case with Would I Lie to You. Just, pays, just based purely on... Their humour, their sense of humour, them being witty um, and clever, and it's none of that rubbish that Taskmaster had. So I really enjoyed that. But also, you got to learn interesting facts about celebrities, like um, and getting to see do see them doing stupid things, like spoiler uh, alert. Oh, maybe I won't say it then. Well, I'm just 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 about to I'm just checking whether like you're going to spoil it or not. Singing, right? I'm not sure. Yeah, um, no, that's fine. I think yeah. I think, and yeah. I liked seeing how flexible Kimberly Wyatt was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No spoilers there. Yeah. No. One of the incredible treats of this episode is you do get to see Ed Balls doing effectively doing karaoke. Yeah. Which is extraordinary. I mean, you wouldn't. I it mean, that is unprecedented. Yeah. In the history of the show. He's so game for love. I love yeah. It. But Ed, Ed, the, the kind of um, the renaissance of balls, mm, the balls strictly, strictly factor that was. Strictly, of course, cool. started with Strictly and carrying on. He did um, a lot of the last leg. He was hilarious on the last leg and stuff like that. Um, he's incredible to see, isn't it? This formerly, you know, obviously uptight politician now this freewheeling giddy giddy goat playing the giddy goat question go uh, go ahead did this used to be a radio show no oh i feel like it has the format that would be so great on radio yeah no you'd think i'm pretty sure it wasn't yeah i think it's straight to television i think it was straight to television i I mean i i stand correcting if i'm not if i'm wrong boy you're a a super fan so if you say it isn't then it isn't i'm pretty sure don't even google it it. i'm googling we've used google boyd google yeah, I, I, I think it's John's going to Googling it while I hold forth a little bit more about my love for Would I Lie to You in case it hasn't hit home fully. Do you want to know how many stars I give it? 
No, because I'm about to say something else about it now. Oh, okay, fine. Um, I know you want to move on to stars, Kay, because but you know, (laughs) I would say this episode is brilliant because the guests are great. Um, David Baddiel is fantastic. Ed Balls, as we said, Joe Brand, who's been on it quite a lot and is always fantastic value on all of these shows, should not be misunderestimated. What's your open mouth for? Oh, I thought I thought David Baddiel's always on it. I thought those those. Oh, I didn't realize he was also a guest. I thought it was just that's Kimberly why you and Edge. No, that's why I'm saying you didn't name them at the beginning. No, oh, yeah, that's why I didn't bother because I was like, no, oh, the they're only, regulars. No, the only regulars are host Rob Brydon, Lee Mack and David Mitchell. All the others so are guests. So they always have came. two re- yeah, um, comedians course, on as well. No, it could be anyone. Any, any oh, people from any walk of life. Because that's what I liked about it, that they had t- uh, two comedians per team rather than just celebrities who might oh, make it less funny. No, you've invented your own um, regular panellists. Yeah, they're not at all. To but, write a letter. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah, sure I'm David would love to be it. on every week, but he's not. He's only on this. But they have good. They have really good array of guests. That's the other thing about the show. They're very good at guest booking. Um, it's just everything about it. I think is. I think it's just. I can sit there watching hour after hour of what I like here, and I have got about 25 hours of it stocked up on my Sky Q. FYI. Do you think you'd be good on the show? Because I think I'd be. I would be terrible because I just smile when I lie. Yeah, you would be terrible. We've established that. You have <laughs> the, the woman with no poker face is the <laughs> title of your autobiography. <laughs> but you. But in in a, in a jokey way, you do like to lie as well. No, I never oh, lie. Yeah, no, like, a in a wind- jokey way. Okay, maybe you never you, say you that enjoy I lied, winding John. me up by lying. Oh, I tease you constantly because you're so easy to wind up. But I never lie. You are. Yeah, you're a wind. She's like, she's what Steve Wright would call a wind up merchant. But I think not a, not not a kind of veritable in a liar. lovable way. Right? Yeah, <laughs> in a, absolutely. She's joshing. Yeah, you could be. You'd be a good interrogator on Would I Lie to You. You'd be good at eking out. Oh yeah, the truth from I think yeah, I love possibly guessing questions. yeah, asking questions, doing all that. But yeah, you could you wouldn't do the the lying bit no. Anyway, would I lie to you? Series eleven, as brilliant as ever, and pretty much the greatest show ever in the history of television, as far as I'm concerned. I'm giving it five stars. K. Four and a half. Five from John. me. Excellent. Good work, everyone. Hurrah. New series, yes, controversially moving to Monday from next Monday, the twentieth of November, BBC One, eight thirty p.m. Finally, in the real meat, I mean, we've had a romp of a period drama, we've had the giddiness of a comedy panel show, now we've got a full-on, two-and-a-quarter-hour, intense period drama film showing on the Netflix from Friday called Mudbound. John, how do you feel about kind of describing what this film is? Um, So, as you said, it's an intense period drama, and it follows... Uh, the story of multiple people um, based around this farm. Um, In particular, you have the owner of the farm, you have one of the families who work on the farm, and the thing that kind of links the two families together is the fact that they have uh, relatively young men who have come back from the Second World War. And drama ensues. Correct, Mm. it does. And now this is, um, we should say, it's adapted from um, a best-selling novel by a woman called Hilary Jordan, which came out a few years ago and was best-selling in America particularly. It's directed by and co-written by Dee Rees, who is that very rare thing. I'm making this clear right now. She's a female director. That's quite rare. She's a black female director. It's even more rare. And she co-wrote the script. And Netflix is definitely gearing it up for Oscar season. So I think, you know, it's no accident that it's arriving on Friday right in the middle of all, as all the Oscar films arrive in cinemas. You can go and see it, I believe, at Curzon Cinemas as well. Because it does look, it looks beautiful, I, th- I would mm. say. Um, you know, kind of the, the landscapes are used brilliantly and the, the muddy, that it starts with this kind of very intense scene in the mud, doesn't it, where 
the son. Which is actually brother. a flashback, yeah. It, was just a, it starts. So it's quite, I would say, it starts off being quite confusing, doesn't it? In the sense mm. that not only does it start with a kind of, with a, well, it flashes forward. If it starts at the end of the story, kind of, with this intense scene in the mud where one guy is forcing the other guy to, 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 to dig among the mud. And then it flashes back for the rest of the film, but you also get the internal thoughts of kind of six characters, I believe. Multiple narrators. Multiple narrators, which comes from the novel. Apparently the novel is told from the point of view of the six characters, and it flits, flits between, doesn't flirt, it flits between uh, all those different characters' internal monologues. And the, and the film uses some of that, not all the way through, but quite a lot of it, certainly the beginning. You hear what they're thinking. Mm. And so you get to meet the, um, hear what the father of the black family that's, being, that's living on the farm thinks, what the, the guy, the, the leader of the, the white family with his dad, who's a hideous, oh, racist, horrendous so hideous. man, who then marries Kerry Mulligan's character, and she's quite reluctant. She's from the city, she has to move to the country, and she's quite reluctant. And then his more handsome, hotter brother, the one who goes off to the war, and the young, and the son, the oldest son of the black family, he goes to war as well. And kind of, it's interesting, because... Um, the whole idea of it is oh, this friendship forms between these two characters that have gone to war, but that almost doesn't happen until halfway through the film. The film takes about at least an hour, I was timing it, to bring them back from the war. Because it's described in a lot of the, um, in the summaries of this film as post-war set and post-war, mm. but actually half of it takes place during the war while they're away. A lot and of it, the first, the first half is kind of like farm life. Yeah. And struggling to cope with the rains, it's which yeah. is flooding the cotton fields, and the, the relationship between the black family and the white family in keeping, like, in trying to survive, basically. Right. And establishing those characters, isn't it? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. And then, but you, you get snippets of the war. So, like, you yeah. know, suddenly you'll be in the farm, and then suddenly they're up in the plains and stuff like that. But actually, for me, the when I really got into it, when when Boyd said we had to watch this, because I was watching it very last minute, I was like, two hours and fifteen minutes. You're having a laugh. Um, so, and the first hour, I was like, oh, it just I don't know. I wasn't as into it. Second half when the two boys come back right. from war, yeah, the unlikely friendship yes. is forming. And they're both kind of struggling to handle what they've seen during the war and also life back on the farm. Yeah. Um, particularly the young black guy. And it's really horrendous because obviously he's, you know, been brave enough. To, I mean, he's gone to war. He's fought for his country. And then he comes back and these hideous racists um, are just awful to him. And there's one particular scene where he's in this shop and... Um, the father character, I don't know what his name is actually, but Hideous Racist, that's his yeah, name, yeah. Um, Hideous Old Bigot, um, insists that he cannot leave through the front of the shop as yeah. he's going to, he should go through the back because obviously it's in the South and, you know, racism prevails. But well, set in this period in the South, so this is... Mississippi, isn't it? Yeah, this is, this is when the Jim Crow laws, as they were called, so there was mm. segregation in, in the yeah. South. So slavery had been abolished, but they still had racist laws whereby black people couldn't have to leave, use a different door to, and couldn't travel in cars to, um, exactly couldn't cars travel together. in cars together with a white person and couldn't you know had to sit at the back of the bus and all of that yeah mm. and it really dramatizes that the reality of that incredible situation isn't it yeah but i agree with you so why may i because i mentioned how um the the two guys don't arrive back from one to halfway through because i i similarly i felt i felt the first half was quite sprawling kind of you, you it was it's hard to get it must be it's quite a big book and hard to kind of establish all the characters and the story but when they both come back and they and this friendship forms between this white war hero and a black war hero and they've both had similar experiences and they're both suffering in a different ways from post-traumatic stress mm. it really became compelling and gripping from then on how did you did you have that experience or were you compelled and gripped from the start i can see where you guys are coming from with the the fact that it really does kick into gear after after an hour which for some people particularly you know with netflix if it's on netflix 
you know, that's asking quite a lot of someone yeah. who's just sat down in front of a telly and thought, I'll give this a go, to, to ask them to stay for an hour is quite a lot to ask of them. But I, I think it does help inform the second half of the film, the, the fact that you have the first half of the film. And as you were saying, all these uh, perspective shifts, at first it, it can be a bit confusing, but mm. I, th- I really liked that. And I thought that it made every single, with exception of the aforementioned racist father, mm. um, it makes every single character really like you understand their motives yeah, completely true. and you understand yeah. everyone's really frustrated in this film yeah. so you've got the main guy who's frustrated that the farm life isn't what he dreamt up you've got the wife who's been dragged along to this farm life you've got the black family who are frustrated because of obvious reasons so it other films might have not given you that and then you'd be like oh why are they complaining why are they being like that i thought because you you had everything laid out so clearly and i did find it interesting that you mentioned the stuff that they're in the war but it spends less than a couple of, a few minutes in the, yeah, every time you're yeah, in, you're in yeah. war, it's so quick. And yeah. then you go back to the farm and it's very slow. And that, that must've been a conscious decision to show the, like it's different paces, right? So it's like the war was so frenetic and like but these quick scenes in the air. And then yeah, well there are key moments, aren't there? So for, there's one, I'm just thinking with how much of a spoiler this is. There's a, there's a, a violent incident in the war for mm. one of the characters. That's pretty, hideous that's very brought home very you know the violence of that moment and and how he must end up leading to the stress afterwards is intercut with um, an accident back home isn't it with and in the farmhouse that's really grim as well and you think Mm. they're both suffering these hideous um events at the same time roughly and that so and then one of the characters has a kind of romance during the war and that you're seeing briefly so it feels like key moments key incidents from the guys that, that are away at the war intercut with kind of every day establishing the everyday misery. I'm making, we're making it sound quite grim. I mean, it, it, I it, guess we have to... It was, it's grim, but it's so, I guess, it's a good... It's, it's the quality, isn't it? It's one of those things where the quality of it, I think, the acting and the characterization and the script was so clever that even... And I, and I was still compelled by the first hour. I was more that it all came... together for me in the second hour but I was still I was never bored I was definitely like fascinated all the way through and we should say the cast is pretty amazing Kerry Mulligan as that woman you said in in who kind of reluctantly marries the other guy Henry and has to live on this farm which is from the city and she's not happy at all there's Hap who's the the kind of black patriarch guy played by Rob Morgan and Mary J Blige plays his wife who's completely unrecognizable unrecognizable and incredible she yeah, is brilliant yeah, yeah. in it, I thought. She's fantastic. Incredible. And then you've got the sons who are played by um, the, the Jamie Garrett Headland, who's the brother, sorry, of Carrie Mulligan's husband, the Carrie Mulligan's husband. And Jason Mitchell as the black guy who comes back from the war, who, when he's Ronsell? in the war, Ron Sorn, who is a hero, is a war hero, and, and, and people can acknowledge that. And then he comes back and he has to live in these, among these Jim Crow laws and is treated horrendously and horrendously. Mm. And it does build up, doesn't it, to oh, a gosh. fairly awful thing. That happens at the end, to which I was sat next to Kay while she was watching it, and she she had to like fling her headphones off and barely. I don't know if she did. You actually watch it in the end, or no? I, no. I I watched, I watched, I watched as much as I can endure. I just it was quite, it was quite sickening. There's, a, there's an ending end that yeah yeah not the ending needs to end. be discussed, but right. no, we can't discuss it here. No, the penulti- spoiler. Yeah, no, the penultimate scene. There's a it's, it's I, the right the last scene. You mean off the record? I need to have a chat yeah. with you guys about the the, the the very final sequence in the film. There's a very horrific graphic scene, um, violent scene, and it's just it's so sickeningly violent. It's not because I can't take and I'm a scaredy cat and I can't take violence. Oh, it's no, because yeah. for it's, me, it's because it's real, right? Yeah, this yeah. stuff happened, and it's just so 
awful and hideous that it happened. Um, but in a weird way, it was also beautiful because what comes of that moment is, uh, you know, an even deeper, beautiful friendship between the two, two of the characters. So it was, but for me, it was a tough watch. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough watch. I think mm. that's, that's safe to say. Yeah, I want. Do you think? Do you think it's? Uh, you think it's Oscar worthy? Do you think you know it's kind of being geared up that way? What's your feeling? I would say. I would say so. Yeah. Um, I've I've got a question for you two about this. Do you think that this kind of simultaneous release on Netflix would hamper a good film from getting consideration for these big awards and stuff? Well, I think it's a big issue, isn't it? Yeah, it's less and less. I think as time goes on. I mean, interesting because we did. Okja, we, we reviewed, which was shown at Cannes, and there was a big controversy about the fact that the snooty Cannes critics were annoyed that this film that wasn't really being shown in cinemas hardly at all and was on television shouldn't be eligible for the Cannes um, Palm d'Or. And now you've got the situation where already we've had um, Netflix films nominated for Oscars, and they do, so they have to be in cinema. They can literally be in cinemas for a week in, like, one or two cinemas, I think, or maybe ten. Could rules. it be in a home cinema of a very rich person? <laughs> no, it has to be okay, in a public so. cinema. And, uh, like, this is being eligible by being shown in cousin cinemas. But it is an interesting topic. I, feel, I kind of feel that it might ha hamper its chances a bit just because the Academy is quite old still and traditional, and I wonder whether they frown on it a bit. But then if it's just... If it's going to be this good and I do think this is I was trying to think if I watched this just in the cinema and it wasn't anything to do with Netflix I think it'd definitely be an obvious Oscars contender because it's heavyweight subject matter done very very well and I think she's done it brilliantly Dee Reese the, the co-writer and director has done a brilliant job of, of kind of dramatising what must have been a very it is a very complicated novel mm. with six different points of view and she does it brilliantly I think so I think it should be considered okay, I think it should, no I think it should be I don't think I don't know if it'll necessarily win, but I think it definitely mm. should be considered. It's an important yeah. film that people should see. A couple of the acting categories, I think. Yeah, one of the interesting things about the acting is because those six those six characters are dealt fairly and evenly, aren't they? Like yeah. I was thinking, because she's the most famous, like Carrie Mulligan, oh, she'll be nominated, but I don't know if they're going to put them in for best actor or best supporting actor. I don't know how they're going to do it. Do you know who I think should? I think Ronsell. Yeah, Jason Mitchell. Definitely. Jason Mitchell is great. Definitely, brilliant. and also. Um, Who's the br the handsome brother? Garrett Hedlund. Garrett yeah. Hedlund. Yeah. Those two. Yeah. Definitely. And Mary J. Blige. She's yeah, actually. Yeah. Well, I've I've heard people discuss the idea of should there be some sort of um, ensemble, yes, ensemble, ensemble cast right? They should like the SAG Awards has ensemble award. Yeah. Yeah. Screen Actors Guild Award. Yeah. So films like in previous years Spotlight or something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there should be, shouldn't there? Well, I think we're being highly positive, aren't we, about Mudbound mm. on the Netflix? Okay, how many stars are you giving it? I do you know what I wrote down in my notes four and a half, but maybe I want to give it five. No, I'm going to stick with my original. Four and a half stars. Oh, I think I'm going to give it four and a half. Mm. I'm going to give it John. a five. If oh. that's okay. yeah. Excellent. So that is Mudbound, which is on Netflix from this Friday, the 17th of November. That concludes the meat of the uh, it's podcast. It's a good bit of meat okay. this week, yeah. But there's always one more thing. Oh, yes. Which is? Question time. Brilliant. <laughs> You know, I like when that Steph's new jingle. Here, yeah, yeah, I do. I do the X Factor man's voice, great. Oh, which yeah, John actually does. Be John, do it. Go on. No. Go on. Just one. <laughs> nice to know from John. Dance for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. John, do the question time. <laughs> That's brilliant. Furious. Um, in honour of two, there's two period drama adaptations. The White Princess is adapted from a novel, mm -hmm. famous historical novel. Mudbound's adapted from a famous historical novel. So I'm asking, what is your favourite literary adaptation that's been turned into a film or TV show, John? Um, so uh, when you 
posed this question to yeah. me and I, I, I panicked and I knew Kay would have a good one. Yeah. Because Kay's a reader. So that, that's a good start. Yeah. Um, they so, tell Steph. And so then I was, I, was, I was trying to go through, trying to, you know, like I did last time where I tried to be smart about it and did uh, the period um, drama I did. You People say smart, versus OJ. I said. No, that was very clever. Break yeah. the rules. So thinking, clever. Do I do like a comic book or something? Which yeah. is, no, you'd get, you'd get turfed of out of it. Graphic novel. Uh, <laughs> Case threatening to throw you out. <laughs> but eventually, late stage. eventually I came across one where the book is brilliant and the film is brilliant. And I think it is the correct answer, which is A Clockwork Orange. Oh, mm. that's good a very, answer. That is a good answer. And it's acceptable. It's a very good answer, yeah. Stanley Kubrick, okay? Big fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we both know I haven't seen it. Fair enough. Well, it was it was for for years and years. It was you couldn't watch it in this country because Stanley Kubrick removed it from circulation. Do you remember that? You yes. Probably, you, yeah. I, I, I mean, you I, to know that? no, no, no. I didn't. I, I knew the like the yeah. myth around it. Yeah. And then when you see it, you think it's, it's yeah. What's the problem? Yeah. yeah it's now fine. it's like nothing. You get to see worse on Netflix every day. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a brilliant film. Okay. I'm gonna go for a classic. The BBC adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, oh. which I watched many, many years ago. Bought it on VHS because I was so obsessed with it. Not just the Colin Firth, I know everyone talks about that scene, but I just thought... What scene? <laughs> I'm joking, sorry, Karen. Don't be facetious, <laughs> Boyd. Um, yeah, I really loved it. Yeah. And I loved Jennifer... How do you say her surname? Jennifer Ely? Ely, I think, yeah, yes. I thought she was one of the best Elizabeth Bennets. Yeah, yeah. That's been portrayed... Very good. She's my Poirot. That drama channel showed that, I believe. I think they've got the rights to that. I think they show it fairly regularly. I, I believe I'm right. And apologies again in advance if I've got that wrong. But no, I'm pretty it sure it's a staple. Watch it even more. Yeah, I think they've shown it all in one go. Like, you can binge on it. Didn't they do as a big stunt? They put a massive Colin Firth in a lake. Yeah, I think they did, to yeah. To promote the fact. Yeah. What, like a look-alike-y? No, Ooh, like actually. a big st- statue yeah, of him. Yeah, I think oh. you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think that happened. They do these things. Oh, I love, yeah, I love that book so much. I'm going for, you're probably asking what you're going for. Oh, yeah, for. sorry, yeah. Boyd. No, it's fine. John, come on, show Boyd. What are you going to go Thanks. for, Boyd? Thanks, guys. I am going for one of my favourite films, one of my favourite books, in a similar way to you, both. Brilliant. Catcher in the Rye. No. Catcher in the Rye hasn't been made into a film. Okay. Well, I, know, but well, I thought it was one of your favourite books, I thought. Yeah, but it has to be made into I know, but I... <laughs> That's the rule. That's the question. What's your favourite book? <laughs> I think it was made into a film in like 1957 yeah, in your or something, which is ter- apparently terrible. Which I knew about, obviously. Any, yeah. No, no, no. Good, good guess. Well, I say good guess. Um, guess. John, a guess. <laughs> John Le Carre's Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, the recent Gary Oldman version. Gary Oldman, um, phenomenal in it. Mm. Um, and it's. It's just, I mean, the original TV series is one of the greatest TV series of all time. Of I course. haven't read it. Is it worth reading? Oh, you've got to, yeah, you've got to read it. Um, and it's just, it's, it's one, it's, have you seen this film, John? I haven't. Oh, it's terrible. I'm excited for you that you get to see it. <laughs> Thomas Alfredson directed it. Um, he is Swedish and he did Let the Right One In. Have you seen Let the Right One In about the teenage vampire? I, I saw part of it. I got scared. Okay. That's a masterpiece. And he directs Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy absolutely brilliantly. John Hurt is in it. it. The cast is incredible. It looks amazing. Its depiction of 70s kind of London spy circles and government circles is stunning. And it's one of my favourite films. Yeah. There you go. Two ex- acceptable answers. Thanks. Three, including yours. Yeah. Oh, you're no, judging out. No, because last time you didn't. You both broke the rules. So. Did we? Yeah, you did. Mm. You were you were like led astray by John. <laughs> <laughs> you did a comment anyway. Let's not let's, let's not get, not back get to into that. it. It's fine. Oh, boy, don't. Why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with us and um, more importantly, oh, why don't you? Okay, <laughs> at Boyd Hilton. John, Thanks. what's your handle? Uh, at John C N Harris. Oh, it's a bit complex. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. at Kate don't Rivero. Worry, um, he doesn't want me to get in touch with him. <laughs> Um, and also, more importantly, now I'm on a real drive. I know no one really cares about this other than me, but I'm hoping our dear pogs out there do. 
We want to get reviewed more on um, iTunes, and I'm determined for us to get the magical 50 reviews before Christmas, which, in the big scheme of things, isn't a lot compared to maybe our brother podcast, sister podcast, Empire. But for us, that's a big deal, and we really would, you know, love mm. it if you did that. So if you could go to iTunes, and I know it's like, usually I wouldn't be asked either, but here's a direct plea from me to you. We want to get 50 by Christmas. Are you going to read out all of the people who, who do review it? That's, yeah, of course. This is yeah. what I'm doing every oh, okay. single time. Oh, yeah. oh okay, yeah. good. I'm thanking them individually. I'm just checking every single one. Yeah. I wouldn't make that contract with the audience in case suddenly, like hundreds of. No, I'm yeah. prepared to we'll do, do that. a whole episode. We we'll do a special episode <laughs> where in which Kay reads out the names of the I'd hundreds of people. I'd be happy to do that, and I'll do a. <laughs> yeah, and she breaks her fingers. And I'll go back to finger hospital. Breaks especially. her fingers with that thing. Thank you ever so much. It's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. <laughs> Bye from me.